You're listening to Ira Harmon's Pop Machine on WHPK 88.5 FM Chicago. Welcome to Ira Harmon's Pop Machine. Turn on, tune in, have fun. Miscellaneous mind-altering substances are not included. <laughs> Excellent. The sun's shining, birds are singing, and all feels right in the world. Until the season changes, and suddenly everything seems darker, less lively, and you lose your motivation to get out of bed. If you struggle with depression, you're not alone. In fact, one in five people experience some form of depression, and no matter the time of year, it may affect your behavioral or physical ability to live a happy life. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we understand what you're going through, and we're here to help. Our vision is to build a mentally healthy nation for all, because we want you to live your best life and be your best you all year round. We work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental wellness. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit mentallyhealthynation.org to learn more. Over the past few years, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected how we live our daily lives. Today, we also face a mental health pandemic that threatens our well-being as we attempt to rebuild our social networks and communities. The pandemic has reminded us to value family, community, and our human connections. However, it has also left many of us feeling more isolated, confused, and alone, struggling to find meaning amid loss and uncertainty. Today, one in five Americans experience emotional and mental health challenges. But many of us do not understand what we are facing or know how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we understand what you are going through, and we are here to help. Our vision is to build a mentally healthy nation for all. We work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit mentallyhealthynation.org to learn more. Excuse me, sir, this is a restricted good God. Hey, you Jeevester. Lance. Nice pants. Thank you. Undercover brother? Undercover brother? What happened to you? He had sex with a white girl, that's what. Oh, was it everything oh, I dreamed it was of? Good. She was had it? pink nipples then. Big ones. Yeah, oh, big ones. Oh, boy. Coffee master drinks. Excuse me.
So
She's got 
You're listening to Ira Harmon's Pop Machine on WHPK 88.5 FM, Chicago. We asked seniors how to prevent Medicare scams. If you get a phone call, do not talk to the person. Never, ever give out your Medicare number. Just hang up. I check my Medicare statement monthly. To report Medicare fraud, call 800-699-9043. Everyone has a community, a neighborhood, school, place of worship, or other chosen groups. Communities can provide support when you need it, including helping your kids avoid underage drinking and other substance use. Learn more at talktheyhearyou.samsa.gov. Who says radio can't be fun? Adventures in time and space. Told in future tense. Dimension X. Can you predict what will come in 100 years, or in 10, or in the next minute? Can you see beyond the known dimensions of time and space into the unknown dimension X? It was in the year of 1982 that spacemen first discovered the Great Galactic Barrier. In the past 10 years, rocket travel to the moon and the nearer planets had become commonplace. And then men fixed their sights on a more distant star, the remote planet known as Volta. Five exploratory ships went out, and none came back, each in turn disappearing mysteriously at the same vanishing point, an invisible wall somewhere in the vast outer reaches that became known as the wrecker of spaceships, the Galactic Reef. And yet, the explorers refused to admit defeat. It was on June the 2nd, 1987, that the rocket Star Cloud made ready for takeoff, the sixth to attempt to crack the barrier and win through to Volta. Now hear this. Condition blue. One minute till blast off. Now hear this. Condition blue. One minute till blast off. Bridge to nav control. Navigation, Collier. This is Captain Thorson. Ready, Lieutenant? We're ready, Captain. The course is in the integrator for takeoff at 1,200 hours. All right, stand by for acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Fire up your rocket chambers. Take off at exactly 1,200 hours. I'll read you off. 30 seconds. 29. 28. 27. 26. Condition right. Hold it. Revoke all orders. Who turned in that alarm? We've uncovered a stowaway, sir. Stowaway where? Hiding at sick bay. Dr. Spitzel found him. Have him brought up to the bridge. Engine room. Kill your rockets. Stand by. Thorson, this is Colonel Harrison in ground control. What's holding you up? Trouble. 
What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? There's stowaway aboard. Stowaway? Yes, I thought your men were supposed to police this base. What's the matter with you? All right, Captain, take it easy. You know what this delay can do to us, don't you? One minute later, takeoff can throw us a million miles off course. We'll have to reintegrate the whole works. Well, look, how long do you think it'll take? Don't bother me for a while. I'm busy here. Stupid idiot. Come in. Here's your stowaway, sir. Now, court, Marshal. Charlie. Ken, uh... You a good radio man, Skipper? Oh, I see you two have met. Met? The Skipper and me made 50 trips to the moon together. Didn't we, Captain? Charlie, if you wanted to come along, why didn't you volunteer? I did, Skipper. They turned me down. What's wrong with you? Oh, acceleration bends. They said my arteries wouldn't stand another trip. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But they're wrong, sir. I got one more good trip in me. Now, listen, Captain. You know these green kids don't know the first thing about space radio operation. You put a man like me on, and I'll be getting you bedtime stories from Mars. Well, you know the regulations as well as I do, Charlie. I can't take you as much as I'd like to. Colonel Harrison will murder me for this. I'm sorry, Charlie. I put you ground. Tell you what, Charlie. I'll ask Harrison to put you on his ground radio contact. It'll seem as if you're right here with us. He won't do it, sir. He better. I'll have him busted to corporal for letting you sneak aboard. You'll be better off, Charlie. Follison. Yes, sir. I'm sending a man down from the bridge. Put him aground. Give him time to clear the launching platform. Yes, sir. So long, Charlie. Sorry. Well, good luck, Skipper. I thought you were going to have him drawn and quartered. And anybody else, I would have, Smitty. But Charlie... Well, Charlie's kind of special. He's been with me since my first command. When we began the regular run to the moon. If he wanted to come along this time, well, it's only through loyalty to me. You know, Lewis, I didn't realize it before, but you're almost human. Navigation. Lieutenant Collier. Nav control, Collier. Lieutenant, how badly we fouled up. Can you recalculate the course, or shall I cancel the takeoff? I've already plotted a new course on the integrator, sir. Oh, that's quick work. Are you sure? Positive, sir. All right, Collier. Putting it in your hands. We'll blast off in your signal. But Lewis, isn't that a lot of responsibility for a young green officer? Yeah, but if he can't do his job, I'd rather find out now than at the galactic barrier. Bridge to engine room. Ready your rockets. Prepare to blast off on navigator's signal. How are we doing, Collier? Coming on the bearing, sir. Four, three, two, zero. We've intersected the course vector. That's good work, Carter. Course corrected, sir. Ready to go into atomic overdrive anytime you say. All right, stand by. Now hear this. Prepare for maximum acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Kill your rockets. Rockets out. Fire up number one cyclotron. Fire up number two. Number two ready. Engineering, withdraw your dampening rods. Mission chamber ready. Last tubes are clear. Ready. Take it on overdrive. How are we doing, Collier? On course, sir. She's running hot and true. Well, my compliments, Lieutenant. This job would have done your father credit. He was the best navigation officer I ever saw. Thank you, sir. Start your gyros, put her on robot control. All right, the ship is yours, Mr. Collier. If you need me, I'll be in Dr. Smithson's office. Yes, sir. 
thank young Collier for that. Chip off the old block. Oh, you knew his father, huh? Matter of fact, I knew him very well. First-rate spaceman. Is he the one who... Yeah, uh... yeah. Oh. yeah, he was lost in the galactic barrier on the second ship we sent out to Boulder. Lewis, uh, just what do you think this galactic barrier is? Uh, your guess is good as mine, Doc. All I know is that five ships have gone into it, and none of them have come back out. You think it's an it, how about Mastrovic's theory that it's a time warp in space, but that the ships reach it and slip into another dimension? I think that's rubbish. My theory is that the galactic barrier is nothing more than a radioactive layer of some kind. What makes you say that? Well, we know that radar signals bounce off it like they were hitting an invisible glass wall. We know it destroys our ships and our crews in some way. Well, there's no other logical explanation. What makes you think we can get through it? Because we're ready for it. The others weren't. Tire hull is completely shielded with lead. We can crack through any radioactive cloud ever detected. Besides, we're equipped with some new UHF radio devices that should enable us to maintain radio contact with Earth. Nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing. Who are you trying to convince, Lewis? <laughs> Myself, I suppose. Smitty, five ships are missing. And men like Prentice and Margotson and young Collier's father. I'm tired of seeing good men fed into that meat chopper. Then why are we going? We haven't any choice, Smitty. We're in a race. The kind of race where men and ships are expendable. Well, at least it won't be boring. I'll have to play physician morale builder and mother substitute for 112 slightly nervous men. <laughs> Your morale doesn't sound too good, Doctor. As morale officer, I can state without fear of contradiction. It's terrible. And something tells me that as we approach that galactic barrier, I'm not going to be alone. Captain Thorson of the Star Cloud calling Earth. Star Cloud to Earthbound. Can you read me? Hello, Star Cloud. Hi, Captain. Charlie. Well, I see they haven't court-martialed you yet. No, sir. Thanks to you. Well, Charlie, it's good to hear you. You can read us the funny papers on Sunday morning. Right. How's the signal? Strong. Clear the bell. All right. Here's our log report for Colonel Harrison. Ready? Shoot. June 2nd, 1987. Four weeks out from Earth. Running true, no radiation, operation normal, still making our approach to the galactic barrier. That's all, Charlie. See you later. Good luck, Captain. I sure wish I was with you. Uh, how's the morale, Smitty? Well, uh, the men know we're getting closer to the barrier. They're beginning to show a little tension, Lewis. How's their physical condition? Any sickness? About half the crew has come down with space blues. Badly? Oh, same as usual. Lips and hands with a bluish cast. Eyes sensitive to infrared. I don't know. When I first started flying these tin cans, nobody ever heard of space blue. Well, there's a new theory that is caused by the terrific acceleration of these atomic overdrive ships. The change in gravity affects the circulation. What do you think? Oh, I think it's psychosomatic. I've noticed that the same men who get space blues under tension on a ship tend to get blue coloration back on Earth when they're upset. I guess it's an occupational disease of space navigators. You think it's just nerves, then? I don't know. But young Collier has a bad case. I think it's tension from overwork. Maybe he needs some vitamins. Lewis, when will you realize that vitamins are not a panacea for all the troubles of mankind? 
understand you've relieved me from duty. Dr. Smithson says that you aren't looking very well. I'm giving you a rest. I feel perfectly able to continue, sir. Your lips are as blue as Minnetonka. I'd like to remain at my post, Captain. Don't be foolhardy, Lieutenant. I'm not being foolhardy, sir. I have a special personal reason for wanting this expedition to reach Volta. Your father? Yes, sir. You think he might still be alive? I have to find out what happened, sir. I think I understand. Very well, Collier. Report back to duty. What's the reading, Paulison? We're getting a plus five radar bounce now. It's coming off the barrier almost as fast as we send it out. What's the interval? Three-tenths of a second. Shortening steadily. At this rate, we'll hit the wall in the next few minutes. All right, alert the crew. Sound general quarters. Now hear this. Condition red. We are now approaching the galactic barrier. All hands to stations. All radiation detectors to be fully manned. Full security will prevail until further notice. That is all. Paulison. Aye, sir. Radar bounces up to plus six. We better try to make final contact with Earth. Spark's still trying to raise the base? Yes, sir, but he's not having much luck. There seems to be some interference. That's the radio room now. Yes? You've got him? Cut in the bridge speaker. The captain will take it from here. Hello. Star cloud to Earthbound. Can you hear me, Earth? Hello, Skipper. I can barely read you. We're getting heavy static from sunspots. That's not sunspots. We're right on top of the galactic barrier. Stick with us, Charlie. We're switching to the automatic sender now so you can track us in. Okay. If we crack the barrier and come through still in one piece, I'll try to get back to you on the high frequency band. Good, Skipper. Don't worry. I'll be waiting. So long, Charlie. So long, Star Cloud. We must be getting awfully close now, Captain. The echo's bouncing back so fast it's almost beating the signal. When they coincide, hold under your hat. That's when we run into the wall. Any second. Hold on. Well, here goes nothing. Here it comes. Captain? Why? Why, nothing happened. We made it. We made it, Captain. No radiation, no time warp, no nothing. Hey! Hey, the crew's gone crazy, sir. Let them. They earned it. Say, Doc, Doc, can you break out a few bottles of snake bike serum for medicinal purposes? I sure can. This calls for a celebration. How's your morale now? Wouldn't huh? be better. How's yours? Condition hey, what? Radiation what is... detected. Condition red. Radiation detected. Good. Holy mackerel. Look at the needle on that indicator. Paulison, Paulison. I see it, Captain. We're picking radiation like crazy. What's it like? It's a strong wave. What kind is it? I don't know. It's too long for a cosmic ray and too short for UHF. All right, track it down. Triangulate it. Make it fast. I want a directional fix. Yes, sir. Engine room. Yes, sir. We're picking up radioactivity. Is it the fission chambers? No leak, sir. Check your gauges. Nothing here, Captain. Must be coming from outside. Damage control. Yes, sir. Is our lead shield leaking radiation? Haven't found anything yet, sir. All right, keep at it. Paulison, how are you doing? I've got a fix, Captain. Well, what is it? I'll have to recheck my figures. Well, hurry up. The angle is correct, but I don't... Come on, man, for Pete's sake. It's right, sir. What's right? Speak up. Where's the radiation coming from? It's coming from inside the ship. That's impossible. No, sir, I've checked it twice. Well, then, there's only one thing left to do. Paulison, get a Geiger counter. We're going to start combing the ship inch by inch. Ready, sir. All right, turn it on now. Yes, sir. We'll check the atomic guns first. Cut through the officer's quarters to ordinance. Come on. Wait a minute, sir. What is it? Signal's weaker now. Let's go back. 
Seems strongest right about here. It doesn't make sense. Whose cabin is it? Lieutenant Collier's. Collier? It's probably down in that control, sir. Try the door. Well, it's not locked, sir. It's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked. Smash it. All right, shut off the Geiger counter. What do you make of this, Pollen, sir? It looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufacture. I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. Never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabin? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Pollison. Get down to nav control. Bring Collier up to the bridge. On the double. Well, hadn't we better find some way to shut this thing off first? I know a way. I'm going to ask a few simple questions, and I want a few simple answers. Yes, sir. What were you doing with the transmitter in your cabin? Transmitter, Captain? You know nothing about it? No, sir, I don't. Do you recognize these calibration symbols? No, sir. Can you think of how it might have been placed in your cabin without your knowing it? No, sir. Unless someone came in while I was on duty. Would that have been possible? Why, uh, I suppose if... Uh... If someone had a key... I, I found your cabin door unlocked. Well, I meant a key to the wall cabinet. I didn't say the wall cabinet. Well, well sir, I, I... You what, Lieutenant? How could you have known it was in the wall cabinet? I just assumed. Lieutenant Carlier, I find it hard to believe you would lie. Having known and respected your father and having observed the way you handled your job. However, I intend to get to the root of this thing. May I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Follison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter, how do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom are you sending those signals? Condition red! Condition red! There's your answer, Captain. What is this, Collier? Alien spaceship approaching! Alien spaceship approaching! Sound battle stations. Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk, man! Very well, Captain. My mission seems complete. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I am stating it. What nation? No nation, Captain. What? I am an agent of the Voltan government. The what? The government of the planet of Volta. You're crazy. Are you so stupid that you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe you. What do you think happened to those five ships, Captain? Where do you suppose we got our information, your language, your culture, family background? But your appearance, you look... Like Commander Collier? Is that so surprising, Captain? We had a living model. I ought to kill you. That would be very foolish. I would advise you to surrender without delay. Alien ship now coming in ordnance range. I'll deal with you later, Collier. Follison, sir, put this man in irons. Take him away. Don't worry, sir. We'll take good care of him. Commander, Robinson. Gunnery. Gunnery, Richardson. What's the range? 10,000 meters are closing fast. Put your guns on radar tracking. Tracking. Coming on a burn. Fire. Fire. Richardson, you hear me? Fire. What's the matter down there? Did you hear me? Richardson, answer me. It's no use to shout, Captain. Collier. Yes, Captain. How'd you get loose? Where's Pollison? Lieutenant Pollison is dead. 
All stations. Lieutenant Collier has escaped. Seize him, man. Don't waste your breath. Your men can't hear you, Captain. What? Those still alive are my men. You're lying. No, Captain. Every ship that has ever left Earth was controlled by a Voltan crew. That's impossible. Those were hand-picked men. Hand-picked by us. I don't believe you. Then why not call for help? Carpenter, Robinson, Haley, report. Carpenter, Robinson. You see, Captain, it is quite useless. I would advise you to sit very quietly and do nothing. It isn't possible. They can't all be dead. Smitty! Dr. Smithson! Smitty! Smitty, what have they done to you? you uh, oh, those dirty... Uh, don't, don't talk, Smitty. Closer. Not much don't time. Lewis. Space blues. Space blues. What is it, Smitty? Uh, what are you trying to tell me? All men with space blues... Voltan. Here, let me help you, Smith. No, Lewis. Get message back to Earth. Voltan. Fifth column. Watch out. For space blues. Uh, Smitty. Smitty. Hello? Hello? Star Cloud calling Earthbound. Please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello, Star Cloud to Earthbound. Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello? Hello? Star Cloud to Earthbound. Captain Parsons calling. Charlie, come in, please. Hurry. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you? Are you Coming in a little louder now, Skip. Keep sending. Thank God, Charlie. Now listen to me. Not much time. Get word to Colonel Harrison. Crew mutinied. Most of crew members, Bolton. What? Bolton. Spell that. B-O-L. Bolton. That's right. They're from the planet Florida. Skipper, are you all right? Charlie, this is serious. They'll be here any second. Now listen. They have a fifth column on Earth. They're planning to invade you. You don't mean it. I get you. Sergeant. We're just trying to raise the star cloud, Colonel. Had any luck? Uh, no, sir. No contact. No contact? No, sir. Hmm. Nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get back a message. No, sir. Neither do I. All right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, sir. Go right ahead, sir. You'd better go out and get yourself some coffee. Charlie, you look a little blue around the gills. You have just heard No Contact, an adventure in time, space, and the unknown. Dimension X. Next week, we have a nice, 
blood-curdling little story that starts with these two sentences. The last man alive on Earth sat alone in a room. And then there was a knock on the door, which raises the question, what knocked on the door? Left to its own devices, the human mind supplies a vaguely horrible answer. But it wasn't so horrible, really. You'll see next week when we present Knock. Tonight, Dimension X has presented No Contact, an original story written by George Lefferts from the storyline by Lefferts and Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes as Captain Thorson, Lawson Zerby as Lieutenant Collier, and John McGovern as Dr. Smithson. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman. Engineer Bill Chambers. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. Tomorrow, hear Sam Spade. Now, it's Truth or Consequences on NBC. And now, it's our talk about, uh, well, I don't know what it's about. I guess it's about nothing in particular. But it may lead somewhere, so give it a listen. Hey, it's just another Jawjack here, and what it's about is anybody's guess. I have a few things on my mind, as usual, and sometimes these thoughts coalesce into a unified argument about some subject or another. Sometimes it turns out to be a potpourri of pedantic pontifications woven together to produce some food for thought. Sometimes it doesn't come together because all of the parts to make a whole aren't ready for inclusion. But producing a radio show means making something tangible on a regular basis. So, as I was trained to do in my college writing classes, I can start to write without a clue as to where it's going to lead as long as my fingers keep tapping away and letting the thoughts flow as they want to in a stream of free association. One thing leads to another thing. The hip bone connected to the leg bone. This is Creativity 101, which says you should save any judgment for after you've completed what you create. Otherwise, if you start to judge what you're doing as you're doing it, you become like an Ouroboros, you know, the snake eating its tail, a circle to nowhere, like a person with their head stuck up their own ass. Sure, it's introspective, but it doesn't get anything done. The first thing on my mind concerns what people choose to believe. Why does one person believe this and another person believe that? I'm sure that nags at everyone who's ever gotten into an argument with someone about two sides of a coin or opposite beliefs. A second ago, I mentioned free association in creating something. The process leads to an infinite number of free associations, more than the finite number of bones in the human body. So, evidently, 
In that analogy, some bone is going to run out of connections. And I use the analogy of the hip bone connected to the leg bone. But in reality, we can't even agree on how many bones are actually in the human body. Belief systems interfere again. We believe that there are 270 bones when we're born. But by the time we turn 30 years of age, that number drops to 206 bones. So what happened now? Where did those extra 64 bones go? Did we just lose them like a set of car keys? The bones fuse together as we age. And by the time we're 25 years old to 30, the bones have pretty much ossified and lost any flexibility that they had in our youth. You know, I can remember soon after my 25th birthday, I was walking around barefoot in my apartment in California when for the first time in my life I heard my feet crackle as I walked from my bedroom to the kitchen. My bones were telling me that they were no longer the flexible bony transportation they used to be. Quarter of a century old they were. Then there are the muscles. We can't agree on how many of those are in our bodies either. The belief system interrupts this again. The number ranges from 650 to 840. And this depends on how the complex muscle groups are dissected and counted. What you choose to think and how you look at them determines the number of muscles in the human body. It's a matter of what you choose to believe. And people believe all kinds of things. And the things people tell me that they believe always amuse me. I get into these discussions from time to time with friends and others about what they believe versus what I don't believe. It's a half dozen, one to the other, whatever that means, if I even said it right. It's not a go-to expression for me. I don't even use the expression at the end of the day, and I'm sick of hearing that one. Or, it is what it is. Or, awesome. Hate all of those expressions. Or any of a number of mindless utterances that spill out of the mouths of people as they're conveying their thoughts to some poor listener who has to suffer their shallow thinking or half-baked beliefs. I know that when I want to believe something, it's because it supports some idea that makes me feel good or comfortable about a situation. I know that I might not believe a thing at a later date when more information is available or my viewpoint changes. I think that being self-aware that way is an insight into how we work as individuals. I believe that if we go through life without taking into account what's making us tick, that we are going to find ourselves stranded on the side of the road of life, otherwise known as a nervous breakdown. An analogy would be if you have a car and you never lift the hood to see if the engine needs anything. Maybe you trust your mechanic to handle that, but mechanics like psychologists cost money if you can't afford either then you take a chance of that eventual breakdown continuing the analogy of automobiles to the human psyche if you can't afford to monitor the condition of your component parts then you will likely always operate on the precipice of crisis you will break down at the most inopportune time 
and be at the mercy of the environment you find yourself in or the elements and other people. The price you have to pay for a breakdown is one you will have to pay regardless of the price or whether or not you can even afford it. So this is all to say that in life we have to think about the future and plan for it because it can turn out great or not. Believe that. I have to prepare for those rainy days when the dark clouds gather overhead and everything I believe is brought into question. I always consider my mind a work in progress. I keep all of my beliefs and opinions on probation, replacing this with that and that with this. I never know when I might have to change my mind, and I'm not afraid to do so. If I try to be dogmatic, I'm asking for trouble. Life is way too complicated and dynamic for a rigid worldview. Rigor is what's needed, not rigidity. It's just too many shades of gray for the lazy boy approach to a belief system. Can't armchair quarterback life. Now, take the belief in God, for instance. Uh-oh. Yeah, I went there. We're taught that God created the universe in six days, and then he went to golf on the seventh. Chillin'. Now, this is written in the book of Genesis, right? We've all heard this in Sunday school. Case closed. Nothing further to think about here, right? If you're a creationist, this is what you believe. If you believe the Bible, then that's that. But the Bible itself is more complex than that, and you know it. Elsewhere in the same Bible are the Psalms, the poems meant to be sung with string accompaniment. That's what a psalm is. The Psalms predate the book of Genesis, and in Psalms 74 and 89, there's a story about God. He's called Yahweh, or Elohim, and he has an epic fight with Leviathan, the big serpent, for control of creation. By the way, as a sidebar, the serpent represents the godmother, or femininity. This was when patriarchy usurped the woman's control of the world and the universe and her importance in it. All of the icons and deities that represented women as gods and goddesses were crumbled by this story and many others that usurped the power and the thinking of the godmother. Oh well, anyway, Yahweh has an epic fight with Leviathan for control of creation. He chops Leviathan up into many little pieces and takes over the universe. Straight jacking. So this story conflicts with what happens in Genesis. So what am I to believe? Did God create the universe or did God jack it from Leviathan? What's the deal here? I'm not a theologian by any means, I'm not religious, but I delve into belief systems and try to see them from all angles without a vested interest in making myself comfortable with the belief. I avoid the placebo syndrome and the pleasure principle. When I do that, I'm left with unanswered questions, and that's okay because I know I won't ever get any real answers. Life is just too mysterious an experience, and believing what you think that experience is can be misleading. How do we know anything for sure? We can't. But 
There is so much that we will never understand or learn with the tool of consciousness that we should just give up and stop trying to be right or believe anything. Our faculties are ill-equipped, too puny to understand the truth about where we are in existence or how it all works. Would we even understand the answers if they could be uncovered? Maybe all we should be doing is avoiding any heavy thinking and just be happy. Consumers of mass quantities of product. You know, get that widescreen 800 foot color TV and the shiniest car on the block with the rims that spin when you're at the traffic light. The Air Jordan sneakers and the designer clothes. The Sub-Zero freezer and all of that junk. The only problem is, is no matter how much money we chase after and things we buy, there's still going to be a big empty hole in our souls that we can't fill up. It seems that the human condition is to have an itch that we can never scratch. What was that phrase at the beginning of Dante's Inferno? Ah, uh, yeah. Let them scratch where it itches. That kind of describes hell, doesn't it? Got an itch you can never scratch. I'm not suggesting that life is like hell, but sometimes it certainly fits that description. Now, even if your religion doesn't have the concept of heaven or hell, you've had to have felt the lack of one in the presence of the other. I don't think there is a heaven or hell as other realms of existence because I believe they were created to control a population of Europeans by a priesthood who wanted power and control. People offer the argument that just because I don't believe in something, that doesn't make it any less real. Well, that statement is supposed to settle the argument, but it doesn't. Just because you believe in something, doesn't make it any more real either. I mean, Santa Claus, anyone? Tooth Fairy? Easter Bunny? We've all believed in that for a hot second. Didn't make it any more real. I'm afraid as a species existing on a planet that confuses us, we're just going to have to settle for mutual ignorance. And ironically, I can believe in our collective ignorance. There's too much irrefutable evidence. But the irony is, with all the ignorance evident in the world today, in the past, and you know there will be ignorance in the future, with all this ignorance, how come we're not all living in bliss? There are three ways to listen to the pop machine on WHPK Online. Number one, WHPK.org. Number two, iTunes. Go to college section and scroll down until you see WHPK. Number three, the TuneIn Radio app at www.tunein. There is a fourth way. Go to thepopmachine.net and there you can download or stream any of the shows broadcast up to this point. Excellent. Realize, 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 realize.
If you can hear this, it can only mean that you've successfully tuned in to Ira Harmon's Pop Machine on WHPK 88.5 FM in Chicago. Scotty, one to beam up. <laughs>